Hello and welcome. Today I'm going to be discussing Elizabeth Holmes and her attorney's recent visit to court to get her out of having to pay just $250 a month in restitution after her release. My name is Mark Blatstein, physician founder of Physician Presents Report Service, and here we go. So the article in the paper in the paper also also stated that she already received two years or 15 percent of her sentence. She got the reduction up front, and that was off of a 135 month sentence, which is 11 years three months for financial fraud. And so it really is not very smart on her lawyer's behalf because she owes 450 million. She has victims. And apparently she hasn't accepted any responsibility through a narrative, through a release plan prepared, which should have been, I guess, coached by her attorneys right after the guilty verdict and things she could have done all along before from that guilty verdict up until her pre-sentence interview. And then from there up until her sentencing hearing, because in addition to the two years off, there's other times she could have gotten another year off for participating in first step back programming. But I but I, I want to digress to a bit because there's certain prerequisites that she also has to be aware of. You can't get in trouble for good time for you. You can't you don't want to get in trouble because that can come off your good time. You have to be on your best behavior. You <clears throat> if you some if people there come up to you because they see that you're lonely, that you have two adorable young children and you wanted to call and speak to them on their iPhone which is contraband in prison, don't do it because eventually the iPhones get found. And if the number is associated with any number that is relevant to Elizabeth Holmes, it could be another charge. It could also reduce some of her good time credit. And it also could impact how she has the ability to or not to participate in first step back programming. You don't want to be in complaining when you're in prison because that doesn't go over well with stakeholders and the stakeholders for her are going to be all the BOP staff, her case manager and counselor. They're responsible in part for seeing if she's entitled to more early release time and to getting home quickly. And so she needs to follow the orders, their orders. If she has a job, she she should do her job. Don't pay other window people job. Everyone, she's going to be, she knows she's the smartest person going into prison and going in is a humbling experience because if you go in from being doing what you want to do, when you want to do it to now you do what you're told, you know, from getting up in the morning to go to bed at night and you can't complain a lot. She may want to, the complaining and cop-outs, which are BP, BP-8s, which are written to your counselors and, and case managers, you don't want to do these unless you have a problem. Her lawyers lawyers went into court and said that she shouldn't have to pay towards her $450 million judgment restitution. She shouldn't have to pay after leaving prison $250 a month once she finishes her 11-year sentence. Well, not too smart because all of the case managers and other persons in prison are going to know that she has that kind of money and that part of participating in first step that programming, which could get her off of another year after two years of taking the program classes is participating in what's called a financial responsibility program. And by, and when she meets with her, her case manager and counselors, depending how much money she's taking in every month, if it's, you know, several thousand dollars a month, they're going to ask for that same $250 a month to uh <clears throat> to put towards restitution and if she only if she offers or counter offers with with an unreasonably low number they may not let her participate in all of the first step back classes programs and this may impact early release if she as i said gets used to using a 
an iPhone in there and they track the phone number down, at some point they'll find the phone that goes to a phone number associated with Miss Holmes, then this could give her another charge, maybe more time in prison and possibly taking away some of her early release options. So all of these are no-nos. And I'll go back to saying that from the guilty time of guilty, a lot of this preparation with all the information on my website, YouTube's, and today should have been prompt that should have been provided to her so that she could have prepared from the guilty verdict and done what's needed to be done to help herself up until the pre-sentence interview. And then from there to the, uh, before the sentencing hearing. And so what does this entail? Well, hopefully she just wasn't sitting at home the whole time that I've just covered being a mom or a new mom. She could have at minimum volunteered, even if it's just over the phone with some sort of agency to help others because she did have victims. And I don't know that she had substance abuse problems, but if she was using either alcohol or a legal or illegal drug, and if it's legal, it doesn't matter if it's prescription or over the counter, but if any of that was in her history or she was afraid to divulge it to the lawyers or the lawyers did not include it into the pre-sentence report pre-set through the pre-sentence interview, then she may not be able to take advantage of RDAP, which is a drug program that will get her out of prison a year early. But if she doesn't have any of those issues, there's also Gamblers Anonymous. Now, every entrepreneur who, I'm not an attorney, but who opens a new business, anyone who opens a new business is taking a gambler, is taking a gamble. Now, will this fall under, you know, on a broad definition of Gamblers Anonymous? Her lawyers could have taken advantage of that, maybe taken a Gamblers Anonymous online or in-person class because she did have victims. And so that gamble for her lost. And so whether she believes she has victims whether she believes she needs to accept responsibility over time, hopefully she can and begin to write this out as her autobiography or as her narrative or as her story, where she also accepts remorse for the victims she created because she created victims. So how did she create victims? Well, she counted on those with reputations, executive chairman of Alibaba, Jack Ma and former president Clinton. They were involved early and through, um, through conferences that they set up and where she was put into the public eye, there were donors. And these were victims too. Larry Ellison from Oracle, Betsy DeVos, former head of Department of Education, and Walgreens, the National Pharmacy. They all lost millions of dollars. One would say they were victims. Then there were others who put their reputations on the line also to join her board of directors. Henry Kissinger, we're all familiar with him. Jim Manis, Retired Marine four-star general and then Secretary of Defense, former Secretary of Defense, George Schultz, former Secretary of State and former Director of Center for Disease Control and Prevention, William Forge. And so all of these were, she has to accept responsibility for putting them in the position where their reputations were tarnished, their money, then their funds were lost. And so she did create those victims because when she goes into the sentencing hearing, the judge is going to ask her, what's your plan for not coming back to my courtroom? And so all of this could have been put into a narrative, which is her story to try and where it's an arduous, self-reflective experience, but she, where she accepts, she sees it. It's, it was her responsibility. She needs to accept it. Her company, she was in charge and that she has for victims and remorse for recreating the victims. And if this was all done before the pre-sentence interview, then I'm, I commend the attorneys. But if not, then she's going to have to do this on her home.
not with everyone there in prison telling her she's okay and watch TV and play sports. She needs to show that she is making changes to her life so that they can see these incremental improvements over time because she is considered a criminal. And so going through the exercise of now when she's in prison of writing her story, her narrative, um, where she accepts her responsibility and has remorse for the victim she's created, which I've just listed, could go a long way, both in letting her just kind of come to grips with her own demons on her own, but also as far as the uh, her stakeholders in prison go. They're also going to want her to participate in order to participate with the First Step Back programming is that there is a financial responsibility program, FR, FR, FRP. And so already... If she's just going to offer the minimum amount of $25 a month, but she's taking in hundreds or thousands of dollars a month into her commissary account, it's not going to fly with the federal with the staff at the Bureau of Prisons. They're going to want several hundred dollars a month for her to pay towards restitution through their financial responsibility program. And if she refuses, well, they may not give her access to early release to all of the First Step Act programming. And so preparation really for everyone who is facing a federal indictment, but it starts at the guilty phase and should be worked on straight through to you through your pre-sentence interview so that all of your narrative, your pre-sentence, your, your story or your narrative or your autobiography of what brought you to this point that caused you to break the law, your plan as to accept you know, remorse for the victims you've created, understanding that you need to make things right. All of these need to be written. And if it's not done and included in the pre-sentence report, then it's done while she's in prison. And lastly, so it's two years off for good time credit, possibly another year off for taking the first step back programming. And Lexus is a drug program. And I don't know, <clears throat> hopefully if, she was, if this was applicable, it was on her pre-sentence report. <laughs> And that can be drugs that are either prescription or over-the-counter being abused. It can be illegal drugs. It can be Gamblers Anonymous. Now, why do I bring up Gamblers Anonymous? Or maybe she was in sort of psychiatric therapy. All of that, hopefully, is included. And she was in therapy, or if it was Gamblers Anonymous, that she had started these you know, online or participation association. You've been working with them with either Gamblers Anonymous, with documentation from who ran the program, to the records from the therapist, treating therapist, why Gamblers Anonymous? Every person who starts a business, it's a gamble. And whether it's going to succeed or not, you know, she lost. But if if she had participated and proving it either through taking the Gamblers Anonymous programs before the pre-sentence interview, or she was in therapy and it, it dealt with this issue, all of this could have gone a long way to kind of helping her explain, you know, accept responsibility, but also it possibly could have opened the door to the drug program. And so I hope that you found this helpful and that I'm grateful for you listening in, but she has a long time in front of her. She may be able to, if she follows at least the recommendations that I laid out, you know, she can cut down her, she can increase her time of, of getting early release significantly. And so she may not have to spend all nine years. On the other hand, if she starts getting caught with iPhones and getting disciplined, maybe she spends longer than 11. I hope you've all found this helpful and have a safe day. Thank you for listening.